We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey everybody, welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. This is our live Twitter Spaces show. We're going to have some of the guys joining us and uh, we'll talk a little Lakers basketball here. We'll see exactly what the Lakers can do. In fact, I've got a few guys joining me right now. So Daniel Starkan, editor extraordinaire, is jumping in. There he is. Daniel, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Um, I apologize. My voice might sound a little funny. I've been a little under the weather the last couple of days, but other than that, I've been uh, kind of enjoying, you know, the stress-free aspect of the NBA playoffs. Uh, there's been some great games. Obviously, wish the Lakers would have been in there, but uh, so, so would be, I guess. <laughs> Is there any team in particular? Because I've kind of been taking the same approach. Right now, I'm at a point where I'm saying anybody but the Celtics, and of course, you know, the Celtics have been looking really good. But I've been taking the approach of anybody but the Celtics, which makes most nights, most games, a pretty stress-free experience. Is there any particular team that you've kind of latched onto and said, okay, if the Lakers aren't in, this is the team that I really want to see get through? I mean, I, I like the Pelicans because of Brandon Ingram, but I also recognize that, uh, you know, they're probably not going to make it very far. Um, I, I'd say the same about the Bulls just because of, of Caruso and those guys. Um uh, outside of that, though, I don't know. I, I liked I liked the Grizzlies a lot during the regular season, but to me, they've been kind of doing a lot of talking. Um, so, so I kind of hopped off that a little bit. <laughs> so the Grizzlies have been doing too much talking. The Pelicans, you like? I'm I'm still on board Team Grizzlies right now, and I'm hoping that they can get get past the Wolves. Maybe that's a Patrick Beverly thing with me, but right now I'm, I'd like to see the Grizzlies get through that's kind of my team at the moment but but the pelicans i understand the brandon and ingram thing i do think that's interesting there's almost there's almost like a natural though i, I don't know if it's animosity i don't even want to go as far as animosity but just knowing that the pelicans are openly rooting for the lakers failure and knowing that they have draft picks and there's just kind of this they're on opposing sides they want the lakers to do badly over the next few years they want to do things to make sure the lakers do poorly their future is is part of this. So that's something that I'm looking at thinking, eh, I don't know. Like, they're fun to watch, but I don't know if I can root for the Pelicans wholeheartedly knowing that 
they want bad things for the Lakers. Yeah, yeah, and I'm with you on that. And I think I'd probably, honestly, I'd probably feel differently if they were actually like contenders. Um, but just the fact that they're probably not going to make it past this round. Um, I know Devin Booker's hurt, but I still have the Suns in that series, and they're definitely not going to win, you know, the championship or anything. I think I'm a little more okay rooting for them because of that. Um, if they were actually a fit to win at all, I- I'm with you. I probably would feel a little bit differently for the reasons uh, you stated. So we got a few people here joining us. I'm probably going to talk some Lakers basketball here. Uh, obviously, a lot of different things that are going on with the Lakers right now. A lot of trade talks, a lot of going on with Russell Westbrook, a lot going on LeBron James. Is he going to sign that extension? All of that sort of stuff. Daniel, I actually, as I, I'm going to work to bring somebody in, uh, I published something today. Eric Pincus did a show with me, actually, with Keith Smith and I yesterday for the front office show. And I took a clip of that and we used it for Lakers Nation's YouTube channel today. And in it, Pincus argues for why the Lakers should, should leave Russell Westbrook and stretch his salary rather than do a trade. And he included like a Malcolm Brogdon trade in there, Gordon Hayward. What do you think? I mean, Pincus is known as one of the, the best cap guys around. Keith Smith also is. Keith has said, no, the Lakers shouldn't wave and stretch Russ. They should pursue the trade route. But it was just interesting that someone as notable as Eric Pincus was saying, no, 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 no. You want the Lakers to wave and stretch Russ. That's probably the best way to go if you're the GM of, of the Lakers and you care about the future. What are your thoughts on, on that situation? Yeah, I, I actually just got done um, watching that video. And, um, you know, I obviously have a ton of respect for Eric Pincus. I think he does a great job covering, you know, the Lakers and the whole league uh, from, you know, a salary cap perspective. There's not too many people as knowledgeable as him. Uh, with that being said, though, I think, you know, if they could if they could get either the Hornets or Pacers uh, deals, I, I would do that over uh, the wave and stretch, you know, deal with Russ. Um, you know, if, if those deals aren't on the table or let's say they got to add both of their, you know, 2027 and 2029 first round picks to get a deal done, then I think maybe you might switch course. But to me, uh, you know, we just saw the Lakers finally – get out from underneath the Luol Deng wave and stretch. Um, you know, I, to me, I'd, I don't, I'd honestly rather them just either, you know, keep Russ or just, you know, buy him out um, as opposed to turning a one-year problem into a three-year problem. And I understand that the Lakers, um, you know, they're probably not going to have much cap space regardless, but uh, t- to me, I'd rather not have Russ on the books for, 20 or 15 million or whatever it is in two, three years down the road when LeBron could be gone. Who knows with AD? Um, I'd rather just kind of bite the bullet for one season as opposed to dragging it out for three years. That's a good point. I mean, that's that's the challenge, right? Especially, especially like if Luol Dang hadn't been on the Lakers books for the past 150 seasons, which is what it's felt, felt like, if Luol Dang hadn't been sitting on the Lakers books for as long as he has, it might be a little bit easier to stomach waving and stretching Russell Westbrook, but they're just about to July 1st, the league calendar will officially flip over and the Lakers books will no longer show Lou Aldang sitting on them. Then take Russell Westbrook and wave and stretch. And however much it's going to be, it might be 15 million. Maybe you can get them to give back a little bit of money in a buyout situation. Maybe you can knock that down to like 13 million per season. That's probably best case scenario, but to have that much dead money sitting on your books even though it does open up some flexibility, it feels like that would be pretty tough 
to uh, to go down that route for the Lakers and feel and feel okay with it. So I don't know if that's really the right move, but Eric saying that that would be his preferred path, even over making a trade for a Malcolm Brogdon, who admittedly has plenty of injury issues, even over a Gordon Hayward thing. It's got me thinking a little bit more about it to where, like if it were to happen tomorrow, which that's not going to be the case, but if it were to happen tomorrow, after hearing what Eric had to say, I think I'd be a little bit more open to, okay, maybe this isn't a bad thing as opposed to seeing it as kind of like a, a doomsday type scenario. Yeah, and uh, obviously, like, whenever, you know, Eric says something regarding the salary cap and whatnot, um, I'm all ears because he knows way more about that stuff than than any of us. Um, so, so so I get it. Like, there, there would be benefits that come with it. Like, maybe you get the non-taxpayer mid-level exception uh, as opposed to the taxpayer would, you know, may allow you to keep Malik Monk and, and such things. To me, though, I, I just think those trade offers uh, – you know, with Indiana or or Charlotte, like I actually get you, you know I understand the injury history, but I actually like those players and I like their fit with LeBron and AD. Uh, you know, speaking of you know Brogdon or Gordon Hayward or uh, you know Terry Rozier, so I think that's honestly like if they could get any of those deals, and I think those are solid options. Um, and, and to me, that'd be better than you know uh, you know waving and stretching Russ, where you might get some salary cap relief, but you're not getting you know, players and, and good players in return. Yeah, that that is going to be a question of where does the breaking point lie in terms of how much talent do you need back in order to make a trade for Russ make sense versus just waving him and, and potentially stretching him and then doing something with whatever kind of extra flex- flexibility. I mean, realistically, we're talking about if you wave and stretch Russell Westbrook, you're now open to using your taxpayer mid-level ex- or your full mid-level exception instead of just your taxpayer. You're also now open to using your biannual exception. What can you get with those things and that added flexibility? Maybe you're no longer a luxury tax team. What kind of flexibility does that add as well? I'm bringing in a guest here. We've got Reeves and Monk fan who just joined us. How are you doing? Thanks so much for uh, for hopping on here with us. Thanks for having me. Can you hear me? So what? So what are your thoughts on the the Russell Westbrook situation? Any any other Lakers thoughts that you that you have? What do you want to talk about? Um, I honestly think we should trade Russ so we could sign more players like Monk. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we can hear you. So you're saying trade Russ so that you can be able to bring back Monk. So the question then becomes how much salary you bring back, right? Yeah, I'm seeing players like um. For example, Pacers, Brogdon, um, but we already have many guards, so I don't think um, a trade with the Pacers would be too good. So, like, I would say maybe um, discuss a buyout with Russ and bring back players like Mark Reeves, Stanley. Okay, so so you're true to your name here, saying bring back Monk, bring back Reeves, and don't get me wrong, I'm on board with you too. But the good thing about like Austin Reeves, Stanley Johnson. They're already under contract for next season if the Lakers want them. There's, they either have non-guaranteed or team options. Stanley Johnson's a team option. I believe Reeves is a non-guaranteed portion. So you've already got those guys for next season, regardless of what you do, assuming the Lakers say they want them. And I think you're, you're absolutely right. They should. The question is, how much is Malik Monk going to really make? If he gets offered, say, $10 million in free agency, well, the taxpayer mid-level exception is about six. The Lakers aren't going to be able to get there to, to get close enough to match that. If teams are only offering him like seven, 
then maybe the Lakers are in the ballpark without having to waive Russ. If you could, if you could get Monk, if we could say you're going to be able to keep Malik Monk and you don't have to waive Russ to do it, would you then be more open to to trading him if you knew that you could all already keep Malik Monk? Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay, that that makes sense, and I think that that we can certainly make an make an argument for that. Um, for that point there. I'm going to bring in some other speakers here. Uh, Reeves and Monk fan. Thanks so much for hopping on with us. Appreciate it. Thank you. Forever. And I've got JT coming on here. JT, can you hear us? And uh, what, what are you, uh, what are you thinking in regards to the Los Angeles Lakers? JT, are you there? Oh, oh, there he is. Hey, Trevor. Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, no problem. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Okay, so I'm a big uh, believer that we absolutely have to trade Russ. Um, I just don't believe we can bring him back. It's going to be bad vibes. Um, he just doesn't fit well with LeBron and AD. I know they haven't played much games, but you've seen enough. Uh, it just doesn't work out. Um, I love the Indiana Pacers deal with uh, Brogdon and Buddy Heal. Um, probably a little biased. I'm from the Bahamas, so yeah, I'd love to have Buddy on my favorite team. Um, the injury history, the the scare. I'm not worried about that because if you look around the NBA, man, it's uh everyone can get injured. Just gotta hope and pray your your guys stay healthy. And uh, go from there. But, um, yeah, I love the Brogdon Buddy Hill fit. Buddy is a great shooter. Brogdon, great passer. He's not going to turn the ball over. A smart player. He can shoot the ball well. Great free throw shooter. Uh, he would just he would fit a lot better than Russ. I think we should trade Russ, THT, those picks for Brogdon and Buddy. I'll go from there and just sign a bunch of guys, young guys, like Damian Jones. Gary Payton Jr. maybe, I don't know, just get some young legs in there that will just help us be better next year. What do you think, Trevor? Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I won't disagree with you. I don't know if I would do THT plus the first in order to get that that package done. It would depend on what else the Pacers are sending back. Like, are we suddenly talking about a deal that includes like a Miles Turner or something like that? Okay, maybe we can start adding stuff to it. I think the Lakers have to be really careful with their assets. And it's important that not only do, because their assets are so limited, not only is it important, I think, that they find the right move, but also that they don't overpay. And that's something that I think the Lakers have had a history of doing. Even if we look back at the Russell Westbrook trade, knowing what we know now, we would obviously say, well, the Lakers shouldn't have done the, the Russ trade. But even in the moment, my gut reaction was, why are the Lakers the team adding a first-round pick into this? This should be Washington adding a first, or maybe at the very least, the Lakers should be moving up. Like, I believe Washington had the 16th pick in the draft. The Lakers had 22. It should be the Lakers moving up those spots there to go from 22 to 16 or something of that nature. It didn't feel like the Lakers should be the team in that package adding value to it. So that's something that we've seen. Uh, I think we could say the same thing with the Anthony Davis trade, where it felt like the Lakers were bidding against themselves and still probably paid more than we would have expected them to. And maybe that's coming back to bite them now. So I think it's important that the Lakers not only find the right trade, but also that they find a trade 
where the value is is appropriate and they are having to pay too much in order to get what it is they're trying to. But um, Daniel, you know, Jeannie made the point essentially that that Russ, it seems like he needs to be be moved one way or another. Are you of that mindset now that, that if you're the Lakers, if you're Rob Palenka, you can't bring Russ back next season, whether it's trade, whether it's buyout, it's done. You need to move on from him. Uh, I, I'd say yes. Just we saw, you know, we heard all the quotes at the, you know, during exit interviews. And it just feels like Russ kind of just doesn't get it. Um, it. I think it was pretty clear that he he did not enjoy the season, wasn't happy. Uh, you know, he wasn't happy with the coaching staff, wasn't happy with his teammates, wasn't happy with the fans. So I think it's best uh, for all, you know, all parties to move on at this point. Um, but But I thought, you know, JT... He, he, he kind of brought up a good point, and it's kind of a, a hot topic right now. We actually just did a roundtable on it on LakersNation.com, and our staff was kind of split. And it's, you know, which which offer would you prefer? Would, you know, would you prefer going to Indiana and trying to get, you know, Malcolm Brogdon and Buddy Heald? Or would you prefer going to Charlotte and getting Gordon Hayward um, and, and Kelly Oubre? I know, I th- you know, in our roundtable, our staff was split. Um, I think me and me and Trevor were on, uh, you know, the Charlotte offer. Uh, you know, Corey Hansford, who's in here listening, one of our other staff members. I'm pretty sure he was on the Indiana side. Um, you know, so that's kind of a hot topic right now. I'd, I'd love to hear some other people's perspective on it. For me, it just comes down to, you know, I think the Lakers would be better off trying to get some some wings. I think we see in the postseason that's kind of what's succeeding. Like you see. Boston's defense right now it's incredible yes. just because they have so many wings Boston's so that, that that's why I would uh, prefer that offer for me but I'd love to hear some other people's opinions well JT what do you think what, what would you prefer you I mean obviously you said you're biased with with Buddy Heald you would prefer the Indiana package over over the Charlotte Hornets package of potentially either Rozier or Gordon Hayward and then Kelly Oubre Jr. I've heard some Mason Plumley rumors. Maybe he can be added in to like if, if it's Rogier because the salary is a little bit less. But what what do you prefer between Indiana and Charlotte? Those two landing spots. Which one do you like? Oh, uh, I really I really prefer the Indiana uh, deal just because um, Brogdon. Um, if we're talking injury, he's he's more durable than Gordon Hayward to begin with. And I think those two, in terms of the two deals, are like centerpieces. And then you add Buddy; he's a great shooter. Um, not a great, a big fan of Kelly Oubre. We saw uh, what he did in uh, Golden State on a more uh, a team. We played around staff. You would think he fit well there. He didn't quite play well there. Um, yeah, he, he's playing better in Charlotte, but is that a fluke? I don't know. Terry Rozier, very streaky, but um, he's not a passer in my eyes. He's just a shooter. You get hot, like we already had that in Malik Monk, and you can get that in Buddy Heel, and also get a great playmaker in Brogdon, great defender as well. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just not a big fan. Mason Plumley, I'm not excited about him at all. He um he's not gonna stay in the floor. He's not gonna sustain big minutes or play any very productive minutes um every talk if you're trying to get a big man yeah we can try to get miles turner somehow maybe throw in tst or none i don't know but that indiana pace deal just looks a lot better than the charlotte to me All right, fair enough, fair enough. And JT, thank you so much for for joining us. I'm not going to disagree with your take. I think the Lakers would be 
I mean, depending on what they have to give up, I think the Lakers would be just fine taking either deal. I do agree though. I like Buddy Heald and Brogdon more than I like the the Hornets players, but but I don't know about the the fit long term in terms of salaries. At what point are the Lakers going to have to transition into a post LeBron potentially a rebuild? The Hornets' salaries might offer a little bit more, more flexibility to do something like that when we look at two years left on a deal for a Gordon Hayward. Uh, Sean Davis from LakersNation.com is is joining us, hopped in here. Sean, how are you doing? You and I talked this stuff for a, for a while last night over on the, the Lakers Nation live podcast, but uh, where do you fall? Do you like the Pacers deal or the Hornets deal better? Um, yeah, I, I think the Pacers deal intrigues me a little bit more. If I'm doing the Hornets deal, I'm doing the Gordon Hayward deal. I know they're a little skeptical about Gordon Hayward's injury history, obviously, but I would do that deal if I'm going to Charlotte. Um, it's just more long-term flexibility. Gordon Hayward has two years left. Kelly Oubre actually after next year, his contract is done. So that you have a little bit more cap flexibility, and that's probably the big – also wing depth. That's the biggest like upside of doing that Charlotte deal. But honestly, Indiana's probably the better package. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon's a great fit, three and D style guard that could really fit nicely with LeBron and AD. And then they've been tied to Buddy Hill for so long now. So um, personally, I do the Pacers deal, but if I'm going to Charlotte, I'm doing Gordon Hayward. Terry Rozier four years just doesn't sit right with me. All right, that's that's fair enough. I've got uh, Rahul Singh Kalsi is joining us now on stage to, to speak here. Rahul, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you, everybody, for having me on. Um, it's always a pleasure to listen to you guys. For one, I wanted to talk. Um, so, in my opinion, I think who, what are we, what team's going to require the most draft compensation in return has to be thought about because I know for sure Indiana is going to want two picks each. Can we get the Charlotte deal for without adding all those picks? Because then, if we can. We can save those picks, add them to THT and none, and get somebody else as well. That's a great point. That's a great point. It may just come down to, and I think when these first came out, this was my initial take, was which one of those costs the least? And that's probably how you break the the tie. Daniel mentioned our, our Lakers Nation staff was split. If everything's equal, which deal is better? But it's probably not going to be equal. And like you mentioned, Indiana will probably want to first because they are, from what the rumors have suggested, they're going to approach this as, we don't even want Russ. We just want his contract. We're going to buy him out. We're going to send him home. We're not going to play him. That's that's the Pacers' point. Now, the Hornets, we've heard that's not going to be the case, that they would play him. I mean, he's been a Jordan brand guy. My Jordan, obviously, owning the Hornets. There's some connections there. So maybe it would cost you less to do the Hornets deal, and that might tip the scales in that favor. And I think that sometimes we get caught so much in the present that we forget about how valuable a 2027 and a 2029 first is. I mean, years down the road, we could be just kicking ourselves for what we did right now, trading away those picks, particularly if they're if they're unprotected. Who knows what the Lakers are going to look like at that point? I don't think those should be traded away lightly if anything i think those need to be protected and only given up if you're getting a great great deal because that could severely set back the long-term future of your franchise unless you get stuff that you think 100 percent this is gonna help us win right now 
Yeah, agreed. I mean, we talked about it last night. You're not trading those picks for nothing. Um, now, if there's a scenario where, like, those picks somehow in a deal equal a Lakers champ, like, they trade those two picks for Brogdon and Buddy Heald, and Brogdon and Heald are big contributors to a potential title next year, then you do that trade a thousand times out of a thousand. Um, but, yeah, yeah, like, those picks shouldn't be traded lightly. And I agree, Trevor, you probably want to put protections on those picks so that – if something happens, obviously 2027 is probably post LeBron era, um, and maybe AD's not here anymore. Who knows? But just like saving face, honestly, and something they you could argue they haven't done yet, but just saving face down the road. All right, I'm going to bring in. Thank you, Rahul, for for joining us. I'm going to bring in another another guest right now as we talk more Lakers basketball. Right now, we are connecting with. Hendricks looks like he's about on here. Hendricks, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us. Hendricks, you there? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oh, maybe not. Maybe you have some some difficulties there. That's okay. Hit us back up if if and when you are able to. And let's see who else we can bring in. How about Joey here? We'll bring in Joey. See if we can connect. Joey looks like should be connected. And Joey's got some Dodgers gear in his in his picture. Joey, how are you Love doing? Good morning. Good morning. Um, so I have a couple yeah. of, uh, like questions. Um, what's a sleeper deal that that's under the radar? I know that the Pistons are like that whole little deal with Jeremy Grant is like, um, another deal that's been talked about, but that's also a thing that's being said beforehand was that Jeremy Grant didn't want to be the third option or even the second option that he was, that he even thought of himself as a first option. So what's another sleeper deal that we, that's flying under the radar besides the, you know, the, the typical Hornets and the, the Pacers? Oh, that's a that's a good question. Let's go. Since you've got so much Dodgers gear rocking there, let's go to Daniel Starkan, editor extraordinaire, and also one of our contributors overall on Dodger Blue, which everybody should definitely check out. Daniel, what, what do you think is a deal, and maybe it's not something that's been reported or, or whatever, but just a deal that in, in your mind makes sense that you don't see a lot of people talking about? 
Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say just because, like, I don't think there's going to be, you know, teams lining up to to trade for for Russ this offseason. Obviously, you know, we know the John Wall thing is out there if they want it. Um, You know, there was a report today, I think it was by Jake Fisher, that said basically neither the Lakers or Rockets want the opposing players. So I don't see that happening. Um, you know, that we've heard about the Knicks. Um, they got some, some long-term deals. I don't know. Maybe, uh, you know, we could float out bringing Julius Randle home just because we know he's not too happy in New York. Uh, although his contract is pretty insane and, and he's not necessarily an, an ideal fit with LeBron. Um, but, but I don't know. I don't know if there's any, you know, secret deals out there that haven't been mentioned. I saw, I actually saw a Kings plan. Uh, float out trading Russ for De'Aaron Fox just to get out uh, from that, you know, long-term deal he had signed. Um, I seriously doubt that that's a possibility, but hey, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, that's that's basically what the premise of a Russ trade is. It's, it, it's, either, it's either you're attaching picks to Russ to get a team to take him, or you're taking back bad salary and it could be a combination of both. It could be you're taking back bad long-term salary and you're trading away Russ and another team is getting that shorter term bad salary in Russell Westbrook and you have to add in a pick or something like that, depending on who the player is. But there's going to be pain here no matter what. You're really just kind of shuffling around what kind of pain you're experiencing. Are you finding a couple of players maybe who have longer term deals than what Russ does? So you're eating into future cap space, but in exchange for that, you're getting guys that you think fit better with LeBron and Anthony Davis. And that's certainly what the argument that you would make in a Malcolm Brogdon and Buddy Heald trade. Same argument you'd make in a Gordon Hayward, Kelly Oubre Jr. Uh, you can say the same thing with the Knicks deal that you talked about. Is it you know, Evan Fournier? Is he added into a deal like that? Kemba Walker, do you look for, for him? Are these guys really worth doing a deal with the Knicks or not? Uh, I think the, the Kings thing is interesting. I think the Kings are going to do everything they can to try to to – say no to the Lakers after the Lakers kind of left them high and dry on the Buddy Heald trade last summer. But it's an interesting one. To me, I keep going back to what if the Rockets really are willing to part with Christian Wood? And this is probably my own bias coming in a little bit here because I've been on the Christian Wood train for a while. But I think that it would make some sense if the Rockets are willing to add in a Christian Wood, an Eric Gordon even, something like that. Into a, John, into a package that involves John Wall and Russell Westbrook. Maybe from the Lakers side, you have to put, say, THT or something like that. I think that could make it worthwhile for the Lakers to do a deal like that. Give them a different look at point guard with John Wall. Maybe you still have some similar fit concerns. Maybe you don't. But then you also get a piece that you think can help you in, in a guy like an Eric Gordon, like a Christian Wood. Does that then make more sense? for the Lakers moving forward. Uh, Sean, I'll jump to you. What do you think about that? Am I just the world's biggest Christian Wood fan and that's and that's the problem here? Or what What do you think? Do you think that's a viable option for the Lakers to turn to? Not just jump all straight up, but do something that includes either Christian Wood or Eric Gordon. I do think you really are a Christian Wood fanboy, but uh, if it's Eric Gordon, I'm still saying no. Um I mean, I guess you could say he's a fit, but he's on the older side, and I actually don't remember his contract, but I'm still saying no on Eric Gordon. It's Christian Wood. I'm at least listening now. Um, Christian Wood, I do think that could be an interesting fit, partnering him up with Anthony Davis and having two kind of switchy bigs that could stretch the floor and shoot. And actually, I think Anthony Davis's shot, unfortunately, abandoning him, you can kind of 
what's the word? You could kind of uh, not have to worry about that being too big of a problem with Christian Wood because he's a great floor stretcher and a guy that can be a pick and pop partner for potentially LeBron James. So Christian Wood, you have me listening. Eric Gordon, I'm saying no. Um, I don't like that idea. He's going on 34 next season. Mm -hmm. Hard pass if it's Eric Gordon. Christian Wood, you got me listening, those Trevor. So there you go. Joey, Joey, what do you think? Or do you have another one in mind that you've been been looking at? Honestly, I mean, it seems like Russ isn't. I don't. There's mixed feelings about him because I really, you know, it. I think it's hard for anyone to come to LA to expect, like, especially, like Russell Westbrook. I expected him to do, you know, obviously as everyone did to do better than what he did, but I don't know if Frank Vogel was the correct fit for him because. Maybe we go for someone, not 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 necessarily Scott Brooks, but maybe someone under the same coaching staff that maybe helped him develop or understood Russ's game while being at you know the the Thunder or when when he was with the um the the Wizards. Like he did pretty well. Um, I don't know. Like it's mixed feelings about Russ, honestly, because like like it is right now, we're looking for a new head coach. Maybe the head coach can work with. With uh, with what Russ is and help him develop and help him you know gain his trust or commitment back to LA. I don't know. Um, that's so hard. I, I I'm mixed feelings honestly. Like I I wanted I don't want to like ship him off because that's just not that's just not what I would do. But I also understand that he didn't you know provide and do as what we thought he would. So I don't know. I mean any anything would go. As long as it, it makes sense to us and it honestly makes us better, then yeah, um, I'm, I'm for everything. But my second question was, what's the possibility? I know like everyone's kind of like um, on edge about like Rob Polinka, how he didn't make any moves during the trade deadline and whatnot. Um, what's like, this is probably like a wild, wild case, but um, what's the possibility of us getting like a Jerry West back into our Organization. organization. Um, okay, so I appreciate the the question. Thanks for hopping on here, Joey. Um, so Jerry West, him coming back, I think there's so much bad blood here between the Lakers and, and Jerry West and everything that's gone on. They've had opportunities to bring him back in the past. They didn't do so. I just don't see that. I just don't see it happening. I don't think that's the way that that's going to go. Um, could you get another voice in the front office? Sure. But from what we've heard, it sounds like Rob Palenka still has a little bit more time to prove himself, uh, right some of the wrongs from this past offseason, and we'll see what he can do with it. But I wouldn't be opposed to adding a voice to the front office. I don't think it's going to be Jerry West, though. Daniel, I think that's, it feels like that's fairly safe to say at this point that it's not going to be Jerry West. But in addition to the Jerry West thing, we just got some breaking news, everybody. Um <laughs> Ouch. The Phoenix Suns losing Devin Booker for two to three weeks due to a grade wow. one hamstring strain. Um, Daniel, start with you. Uh, this this news coming out, Loach just breaking this. Can the can the Pelicans get past the Suns without Devin Booker? <laughs> I definitely think uh, it's it's a possibility now, whereas I, I didn't think they had any chance before Booker goes down, obviously. Booker looked incredible before he got hurt. He had like 30 points in the first half. Um, but I, I definitely think the window is open now. Um, you know, I, I, outside of Booker, 
Um, you know, obviously Chris Paul's a great player, but he's not the guy you could count on to get 30 in a big time playoff game. So I don't know who that that guy is for Phoenix now. Obviously, we saw what Brandon Ingram did the other night. We've seen how great CJ McCollum's been playing. So I think there's a chance for them there. And I, I think the last, you know, 48 hours or whatever have could you know could potentially drastically have shifted, you know, the the championship lands landscape. We've seen both of, you know, the the finalists from last year, uh, you know, have seen key players go down with Devin Booker. And then we saw Chris Middleton uh, go down last night. So, uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how that series play out. But but I also just want to say that I feel zero sympathy for, for Suns fans right now. <laughs> um, obviously, I'd love to see Devin Booker playing. But, uh, you know, as we saw last year, not just with the Lakers, but pretty much every team the Suns played saw a key player, you know, out with an injury. And, and they told us that that's not an excuse. So uh, we'll see how the, how they fare now without their best guy. Oh, the salt from, from Daniel. I like it. I like it. I think that, that you're right. I think there have been a lot of teams who have been saying that. We heard it all season. Injuries aren't an excuse when whenever the Lakers injuries were brought up. So, look, there's been a lot of teams that are dealing with injuries. We saw Chris Middleton last night. There been it, It's tough. It's tough. I never want to see a player lost due to injury, but now the Suns are going to have to step up. Sean, who is it that, that has to step up the most now for Phoenix if they're going to get through? DeAndre Aiden is going to have to step up, and I do still think actually Phoenix should be fine. Um, I, I trust Monty Williams. I trust what they got going. I also trust, I think they were kind of shell-shocked with Booker going out. Now you give Monty, you give the rest of that team some time to game plan without Devin Booker going forward. I think they'll be fine. But DeAndre Aiden, he's going into a contract year, so first off, if he can really perform at the level that that contract warrants, then for he's going to get paid. And um, they're going to need him. They're going to need him, too. And Mikel Bridges, I think if he's still healthy, it's got a little banged up in that game. But Bridges, if he can still be that three-way, two-way player, crap, my bad. And But DeAndre, he's going to be big. Chris Paul, we know what he's going to do, just hoping he can stay healthy. But, yeah, I have no sympathy for, for Suns fans whatsoever. <laughs> All right, not not a surprise after the Suns now have essentially eliminated the Lakers two years in a row, eliminated them, eliminated them in the first round last year, and then officially put an end to their play-in run this year. Uh, I've got Trey joining us here on, on stage, so to speak. Trey, thanks so much for, for hopping on here. How are you doing? Hey, man, I'm doing all right. How about y'all, man? Doing well, doing well. We'd be dealing, doing better if the Lakers were still playing, but uh, but doing about <laughs> as well as as we can be. Uh, what do you What do you want to talk about? Yeah, I got two questions. So, um, on the rush trade, um, I was kind of looking up the numbers. We can take back like fifty eight million back in salary per se, right? If we trade them, like let's say we trade them to uh, Charlotte, we can take back Hayward, we take back Plumlee and Ubre, but. Um, you could possibly kind of reroute um, Hayward to a third team and kind of split his salary up. So I feel like that's kind of the best option because waving and stretching Russ, it kind of just doesn't really do a lot in terms of, well, you can keep Malik Monk, but I mean, there's not a lot of key free agents out there. So for me, I definitely would do the um, the Charlotte Hornet deal because um, I think Hayward, he could kind of fit in that Danny Green role, just kind of be a three and D guy. And obviously he's not really healthy, but uh Hey man, um, overcompensation is a real thing. So if he's playing third fiddle behind LeBron and AD, maybe he doesn't have to work too hard 
and uh, Plumlee, he's like a he's a lob threat. He's not great on um, <laughs> pick and roll defense, but hey, LeBron's pretty does pretty well with uh, lob threat players. And then I think Kelly Oubre would be a good fit. And then that kind of frees up minutes for THT as well, and set that Russ is off the team. So uh, I think that would probably be the best fit. And then my second question was, do you think the Lakers are going to go after any, like, top assistants around the league? Obviously, we've heard uh, names like Nick Nurse or Doc Rivers, but I think a guy like Darvin Ham on the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, he, he would be a good fit. Um, I really like all the intangible he's, he brings. He's a former player, and uh, he has Laker ties. So, uh, yeah. Literally, yeah, so, I mean – <laughs> <laughs> You're speaking Sean's language. He he has been on the Darvinham to the Lakers train for for quite a while now. Um, yeah, I mean that that definitely wouldn't be a bad fit. I think the only thing that we've seen so far is that they are interested in finding people that already have head coaching experience. So that might be a concern. But mm-hmm. again, who knows how this situation is going to morph and change? I what I prefer, and by the way, I'm, I think that your your take on the the Hornets trade is, is spot on. I think that's some of the benefit that you can get from doing that kind of a deal in terms of the fit of a guy like Gordon Hayward, if he can stay healthy. But there's, frankly, that kind of a a uh, asterisk is by most of these deals, uh, the health situation. But as far as the coaching situation goes, this is the kind of thing where the Lakers, I would love to see them break away from this whole idea where they only go for people who are already in their family tree, only people they already know. I don't think they should limit themselves to only people who have previous head coaching experience or only people who have already been part of their organization. I think in this situation, it's so important that they get this right. Find the right person that you have to cast as wide of a net as possible and figure out who that is. So that's been my one concern for the Lakers heading into this coaching search is, is are you casting a wide enough net or are you going to just stick to the family tree and then wind up with, I don't know, like a Mike Brown or somebody like that. As your coach, um, I'm bringing in, going to bring in Matt the Optimist Peralta. He's he's joining us here. So, Matt, how are you doing, man? I'm good. Hello, can you hear me? Yep, we can we can hear you. Matt the Fantasy Football Trader Peralta. Um, <laughs> Matt just and I just count from 101, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, so so, what do you think about what Trey is talking about here? Like a Darvin Ham bringing in him in as a coach, the Lakers coaching search in general, and the the Russ trade front. Um, I would like a look at Darvin Ham. I think that would be cool. Um, if we're gonna stick with the Lakers ties thing, I think you know Phil Handy might be another option as well. Um, but um, I'm not going to lie. I would not be surprised if we see any links to Brian Shaw anytime soon. Uh, anyone's thoughts on that? Oh, Brian Shaw. That's Daniel. What do, what do you think, Brian Shaw, former Laker? Do you go with with somebody like him? Currently, the um, Clippers' assistant coach. Yes. Um, I mean, I, I think where did Brian Shaw go? De- he was the head coach in Denver for a minute, right? Yep. Uh, so, yep, was with the Lakers as an assistant. Yeah, the Pacers. Denver. Yeah, I'd say if they want to bring back. Brian Shaw on their staff as an assistant coach, I'd be all for it. Obviously, um, you know, I feel like he had like two or three stints as an assistant with the Lakers already. Um, but I, I don't know if he's head coaching material for me. Um, so, so, yeah, I'm probably out on Brian Shaw as a head coach, but I'm all for it as an assistant. I think that's where I'm at, too. 
Yeah, <laughs> and that that may be what we see quite a bit of out there. Oh, we've got we got uh, Tweet God Corey Hansford joining us as well. Uh-oh. Welcome in, Corey. How are you doing? If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Corey is muted. It looks like. There we go. Hold on. You hear me now? We got you now, Corey. Beautiful. Um... I just, I just want to add in, uh, just on what everyone is saying, um, as far as the coaches go, I'm all for first-time head coaches and giving these guys shots. I mean, if you look at the playoffs right now, all these teams, um, even though he's been there a while now, Eric Spolster was a first-time head coach. Same with Eve Kerr, Taylor Jenkins, Ime Udoka, Willie Green. All of these great coaches just got their first shots and have ran with it. And for some reason, the Lakers are just stuck on having this experience. You don't need it. It's not uh, – it should not be a prerequisite and it's not needed. And the league right now is full of guys who have taken their first option. These are made teams great. So for them to just overlook uh, an assistant like a Darvin Ham or any of those other guys is just foolish. And it's it's making – it's retreading the issues that people have with the Lakers before LeBron came in those dark years that they were so focused on. It's It's got to be like a family and all that stuff. It set them back for years. And then we just got lucky that LeBron wanted to come to L.A. and we built up from there. And I just don't want him to make the same mistake again. So, I sorry sorry to interject here, but I, I just want to add, while we're on the topic of this year's playoffs, I just want to say that Doc Rivers has done a phenomenal job in Philadelphia. And they, should extend, him, they should extend him ASAP just so <laughs> they don't let him get away to a team like the Lakers. <laughs> So Daniel is is voting against <laughs> against Doc Rivers coming to the Lakers and saying that the the but the Seventy Sixers should one hundred percent extend him. I, I think like it was um, I think it was game injury Doc. Shout out to him that brought up Doc Rivers sending Nick Nurse to the Lakers. I thought that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Uh, Corey, is there anybody that's that you think aside from Darvin Ham that's maybe not on our radar as far as a Lakers? coaching possibility somebody who could step in that you think should be um someone who i kind of forgot existed for a while but i saw him the other day on the playoffs that's an assistant has never gotten his first shot at sam cassell like it felt like not that long ago he was one of the hottest possibilities to get his first uh head coaching gig and now his name is hardly ever mentioned it but i wouldn't be mad at them taking a look at him all right I like it. I like it. That'd be interesting. I mean, he could he could do his uh, his dance over on the sideline whenever the Lakers make a big play. Might get fined a little bit for it, but that's okay. It would, be, it would add the entertainment factor, and I think there was a point, too, where people were looking at him and saying, this guy is going to be the next great 
head coach in the NBA. So I wouldn't be opposed to it. Another guy could be uh, Kevin Young. He's been tossed around a little bit too, assistant for the Suns right now. Um, that's just another guy that's been tossed around. Could be interesting and probably will get a head coaching job at some point for for anything less than just he worked with Monty. So he'll probably get a look because of that for sure, but he could be an interesting one. Trey, let me get back to you real quick before we before we let you go here. Uh, did you have uh, any thoughts on those guys that, that we brought up? What do you think about some of those guys potentially being being options? Whether it's Kevin Young, whether it's Sam Cassell, uh, you were you you mentioned a few of these guys as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think um, Sam Cassell could be a, definitely a great option. He's been a longtime assistant, former player, and I think what the Lakers and especially what LeBron wants is a former player. And I think that's probably what he, his input is going to be. And obviously, uh, like you said, Trevor, like the Lakers need to extend their their uh, coaching search and kind of give these guys some leeway to do what they do and not have, uh, you know, Rambus in the uh, <laughs> the coaching meeting and all that. But um, I also um, like a guy from the uh, the Warriors, uh, Kenny Atkinson. He used to be a, um, a Nets head coach, and he's kind of a dev, 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 developmental coach. And... Um, but, yeah, but I think he could be a good option as well. But I think whatever they do, they just need to let the coach choose his coaching staff and just kind of give um, – we, we need the, you know, the front office and the coaching staff to be on one accord, and that's kind of the main thing. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on that, man. All right, well, thanks so much for joining us. I am in complete agreement with you on that, that we need to get away from this whole thing where the Lakers are – sitting in on coaches meetings where they're picking the assistant coaching staff. I mean, this all goes back to Luke Walton, right? That That's where this came from, was from Luke Walton. The Lakers saw the assistants that Luke Walton picked, and they went, really, Luke? These are your assistants? Come on. And they, they didn't like that, and so they said, okay, well, next time around, we're not going to allow this. Next time around, we're going to have a say in the assistants, and that's part of why they didn't get Ty Lue. It wasn't just the money. It wasn't just the contracts. It was... They weren't letting him pick his assistants, but the Lakers felt like they were burned in the Luke Walton situation. And now I hope they don't pay the price for that moving forward because most head coaches that are worth their salt in the NBA will not stand for that, for the front office interfering in their assistant coaching staff. So it's something to watch moving forward. Corey, let me jump back to you here. Do you think that the front office, you talked about seeing them make the same mistakes over and over again. Are we finally at the breaking point after having what we think is, in my mind anyway, the worst Lakers season ever relative to expectations? Are we finally at the point where they will realize the error of their ways and no longer require the head coach to get approval for their head coaching picks and sit in on meetings and that sort of thing? Um, no, I, I don't. There's been no reason to believe that they have. Um, we have nothing like we have nothing to go on there. Like everything we're hearing has been the same Lakers stuff as it has been. I'd like to think so. But um, when you get into the LeBron James businesses as well, this is, this is kind of part of it. It's I, I I'm hopeful for the best, but there's been no kind of talks about any other outside voices. Somehow Kurt Rambis has parlayed an awful time with this next head coach into this like lifetime position. And as long as Jeannie is the owner and these are the guys that are in place, I've seen nothing to suggest that they're going to change things around. That's the unfortunate truth there from, from Corey Hansford that, yeah, I mean, 
that's all we've heard so far is that everybody's expecting the Lakers to do the same old Lakers things. And that's, it's not, it doesn't mean you can't find success sticking with the family tree or that you can't find success doing things the Lakers have done in the past. I just think it makes it more difficult to do so because you're limiting your own options and you're not bringing in some outside voices. I think Lakers can sometimes, and again, I'm not, I'm not behind closed doors. You know, that, that that's the challenge with a lot of this stuff is, we're not part of these meetings. We don't. Maybe Kurt Rambis is saying some brilliant things, and he's just not being listened to. We don't. That's not the sense that that we're getting. That's not what we've heard. But still, we don't know exactly what's being said behind closed doors. But the sense right now is that the Lakers will continue doing what they have done in the past, and those are things that don't necessarily lead to success. It's not that they can't, but I think it limits your opportunities for success moving forward. Uh, Daniel, you've been you've been part of. I think literally every Lakers press conference uh, you've been in on, um, and I've been in a lot of them, but obviously not the post-game ones. What's your sense of where the Lakers are as an organization? I mean, Rob Palenka did his, well, press con wasn't really his exit interview, but Rob Palenka spoke. What, you, what is your sense on what the Lakers parameter is going to be in terms of their, their search process, as well as how they, they build out this roster for next season? Yeah, I think it's all kind of a mess right now, kind of like Corey said. Uh, Rob Palenka mentioned in his exit interview that as far as roster decisions are concerned, he's going to be assisted by Kurt Rambis, um, unfortunately. Uh, And also uh, Joey and Jesse Buss, who I actually like. I think they do a great job, you know, with scouting and such. Um, And and Rob also said he's going to, again, cult LeBron and AD, although he made sure to say that you know, the ultimate decision is up to him. So I guess he, he's getting out in front of that just because who knows, you know, with the rush trade, everyone, no one kind of wanted to take responsibility for that one. But from everything we heard from Rob and everyone else, uh, I wouldn't expect too many changes. It's still kind of be going to kind of be a group effort, um, you know, so, so so we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, as far as the coaching search goes, I know they said they're going to take their time. But I would expect them to interview a ton of candidates you know we already mentioned they're looking for guys with past head coaching experience um but but one name that you know hasn't been mentioned here you know since we were talking about assistants that haven't gotten the opportunity yet um I'd be curious to get people's thoughts on Phil Handy if you know I know some people were calling for him to take over in the middle of the season but uh you know I'm you know I don't know I know he's great at player development but I don't know if he's ready to be a head coach yet so I'd be here to get some other people's thoughts on that. that that would be keeping it you know in the family like they they want I mean I think Phil Handy is well respected around the NBA and this was my argument for why once it was pretty clear the Lakers weren't going anywhere they needed to let go of Frank Vogel and give Phil Handy the the job just to see because nobody knows what he's like as a head coach just to find out get some more information that was why I was in favor of doing something like that. Uh, Matt, the optimist, what's your take on, on Phil Handy? Should the Lakers give him a look or at least consideration? You know, it's interesting is that the Lakers fired Frank Vogel. They released Frank Vogel. We didn't hear anything so far about his assistant coaches. We don't know what they're going to do with them. Usually it's a, those two things are go hand in hand. Could Phil Handy be the guy for the Lakers? And if so, why didn't you just turn it over to him with a month left in the season or whatever? Um, yeah, I'd be really curious um, what Phil Handy could do as a head coach. Um, I feel like given how Lakers, given how cheap the Lakers have been too, as far as, you know, their offers to head coaches, I feel like it, he wouldn't cost top dollar like some of these other names that are being linked to the team. 
Um, I think continuity in the locker room is also really important. I think that, you know, bringing in a new head coach means a new staff, which means other adjustment periods. So I think keeping Phil Handy around would, would benefit them that way as well. Um, you know, I'm not the biggest X's and O's guy, and I don't really know what his philosophy would be. And I know he's great with player development and um, relationships. So from that aspect, I really enjoy it. So um, really, I mean, I, I feel like he's worth a shot. Like I said, He's won the title with the team. He's familiar with the players currently, like who they're going to be building the roster around, namely AD and LeBron. So um, I don't think the Lakers could do a lot worse than him. And I'm really curious to see, you know, what he could look like. Because he did get, you know, interviewed last hiring cycle. So obviously he's um, got some cash around the league. So I don't think it would be a bad move from the Lakers perspective at all. All right. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's somebody to consider. I think it's somebody to consider, but uh, is it? Does he ultimately get the gig? I don't know. I, maybe if it's the difference between losing him altogether, and I mean, like, would he stay on as an assistant coach for somebody else? I don't. I think he's well respected enough that you would like to keep him as part of your organization. Do you think he's a realistic option for the head coach? That's something that'll be maybe a different topic. Uh, Sean, what do you what do you think on on Phil Handy? I think I think regardless, he'll get a head coaching job rather soon. Um, so I wouldn't hate it. Um, obviously, if it's like Phil Handy or this isn't going to happen, but if it's Phil Handy or Nick Nurse, I'm calling Nick Nurse. But um, I think it'll be ideal for anybody who does come in. To, if you could try to keep Phil Handy on as an assistant coach, that would be nice. Um, but, I mean, I wouldn't hate Phil Handy um, in terms like, he might try to do some of the same stuff Vogel did, but he's been around a lot of coaches, and that's why he's part of the reason why he's so well respected. So, I think it'll be like a beautiful chaotic blend of what we would see from Phil Handy. Um, but so I, I wouldn't hate. It. I think he deserves a shot here coming up soon, whether it's from the Lakers or from another team. So I wouldn't mind it. Can I can I interject real quick? Go for it. I think we had a. I think Trevor. I think you and I had brought this up on the uh, the last uh, post game show. R.I.P. Um, but I'm curious what you guys think about reuniting with our old friend Aaron Dudley. Ooh, ooh. I I would like him as an assistant. I thought they should have made him an assistant coach this year, but I think Jason Kidd gave him an offer that he he couldn't refuse. But I'd be for it. I'd be for. Jared Dudley coming back. I don't know about as a head coach, but as a as an assistant, if you could pry him away from Dallas, sure. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. You know, since we're talking about checking off boxes, figured he's probably going to be under radar. So, yeah, I think I'm in agreement. If there's any way you can get him to accept like an associate head coach position or like the lead assistant position, I, I think I'd be all over that. But I, I didn't know, you know, where we stood on him being potentially the head coach. So. That's interesting. Yeah, it's something that I that I would consider. Again, I don't think I would use him as the, the head coach just yet. He doesn't have as much experience as some other assistant coaches being an assistant coach. But, I mean, this is a guy who I think who understands the game very, very well. Uh, he understands the, the relationship building piece to it. I think he was a key part of the Lakers locker room in terms of holding the guys together, understanding chemistry, the importance of that. So, I mean, I think he's a guy. Also, I mean, throw out there Rajon Rondo. These are guys you want as part of your organization. I just don't know if you're quite ready to hand over the keys and say, here, you're a head coach right now. But I think at some point those guys will be head coaches in the in the NBA. Um, let me see who else we can we can bring in here while I'm doing that. Corey, your thoughts on, on Jared Dudley? I mean, why not? <laughs> like it's, 
I mean, these guys at least deserve consideration. Give them an interview. And again, like you said, there is a medium between keeping it in the family and just going all out, like way out left field. And someone like Jared Dudley, someone like Rajon Rondo, to me, represents that perfect uh, middle ground. People you can trust, but you're still going outside the box a little bit, giving different guys, different ideas a shot, um, as opposed to just the same old retread. Like, I'm, I'm shot Stan Van Gundy and Doug Collins' name haven't been mentioned as possible Lakers coaches yet. I'm, I'm sure that's coming. I'm sure that's coming. I already saw like Terry Stotts popped up. Uh, I wouldn't Alvin Gentry, me. Scott Brooks, and Steve Clifford, baby. That's right. That's Steve right. Clifford, there's the one. Um, I'm bringing in uh, Tay right now. Tay, how are you doing? Tay, can you hear us? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No. Okay. Well, connect back to us if if you can. Appreciate you for for jumping on, though, guys. Before we before we wrap things up here, because we are running a little bit bit long at this point. What's the ideal Lakers off season look like? Like, what would if you could pick one thing that you really want to see? And I'm not going to go through an entire off season plan. We'll do that at some point. But if you could pick one thing that you would really like to see the Lakers accomplish this offseason, what would that one thing be? I'm going to go to each of you. Let's start with, with Sean. What's the one thing you would like to see the Lakers accomplish this offseason? I'm not going to go with the Russ route. I think we already know how important that is, but just please don't botch the head coaching decision. I think that's going to be really pivotal. And then to kind of go along with the coaching thing, in my opinion, the head coach should have some sort of say in the roster not obviously the it's not the NLB all that's Rob Palika's job, but he should have a say to to a certain de- degree um, because if it doesn't work, we saw it this year if it doesn't work out and the coach and can't get it to work or whatever, the players on the floor don't match a scheme or whatever. Um, the coach is gonna get blamed, and we saw it this year with Frank. You can make an argument Frank why I'm gotten fired anyway, but I mean he's at least Rob Palika's excuse. Hey, it's his fault that we sucked so bad, but. Let the head coach have some sort of a say in the roster, and he gets the right guys that fits his play style or coaching style, rather. And um, but yeah, like please don't watch the head coaching decision. Go out and get freaking Mike Brown or I don't what one of these other guys or Doc Rivers. Like just get the head coaching decision right. Let them have some sort of involvement with the roster, making decisions, and go from there. All right, Matt, the optimist, if you were if looking forward optimistically, one thing that you would like to see the Lakers accomplish this Resign Wesley Matthews, cowards. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? I How did you not know? Would you like to know that Wesley Matthews scored more playoff points this year than the Lakers did total? Yeah, that, Thanks, I mean, Matt. that is a fact. Matt. We, all, we all have the same amount of playoff points as the Lakers as well. Yep. <laughs> I have shot just as well as any of them this postseason. So uh, give me a guy with a postseason experience in 2022. Thanks. He uh, he did indeed look 
pretty pretty solid for the Bucks. Um, playing some major minutes there makes you think. Why why did the Lakers decide no thank you on? on You're West telling Matthews? me Wesley Matthews couldn't have taken the Kent Bazemore or Wayne Ellington spots? Yeah, that's that's just it. Thank Matt, you you're making me depressed. Stop. Same, same Sorry, dude. Why... I am bitter and angry after watching last night's game too. So, I and I think that's fair. And I think the same question can be asked of why let Andre Drummond walk away if he's going to play behind Joel Embiid for a veteran minimum. Why wouldn't you just keep him and play play him behind? If is is it Dwight? Is it AD? Is going to be your center? Why not keep him around at 27, 28 years old rather than go and try to get DeAndre Jordan? That didn't make a lot of sense. Either no, Andre Drummond isn't the best center in the world, but was he better than what you turned to? Yes, and I think the same was true for Wesley Matthews. Once again, compounding mistakes with other mistakes. Uh, Daniel, let's go to you, editor extraordinaire Daniel Stark. And one thing that you would like to see the Lakers accomplish this summer? Yeah, I mean, I I think Russ is the obvious answer, but we we spend a lot of time talking about him. So I'm going to say one thing they need to prioritize is is getting younger and getting more length and athleticism. Um, I think, you know, we saw the Lakers clearly lack that this past season. Um, I think as we're watching the NBA playoffs, the teams that are having success, um, you know, they got a lot of length and athleticism on the wing to, to you know, to defend the, the opposing stars around the league. Um, so, so I think that should be a priority. I think, uh, a, you know, from, from, from a Lakers perspective, what we saw this past season, um, I think it was when they started playing the young guys more that's when we kind of saw a shift as far as like energy goes um i think a lot of the older guys you know they just uh you know kind of gave up when they got punched in the mouth so i think they need to prioritize youth prioritize athleticism um and and get some wings all right i like it i like it i'm in agreement with that i've been we were saying since last summer that the lakers didn't have enough wings on this roster i think it was one of the problems that they had throughout the season. What a many problems. Corey Hansford, coming to you. One thing you want to see the Lakers accomplish this summer. Yeah, um, I don't care how obvious it is. Um, Y'all have talked it. I have not. I don't care what else we do. We need to get out of the Russell Westbrook business. I know been harped on. I don't care. I would trade Russell Westbrook for a bag of hot fries at this point. I would trade Russell Westbrook for the deal the Flint Tropics made to get Mannix. I'd give up. I'd trade him for a washing machine. I don't care if you can get anything of any sort of value for Russell Westbrook this offseason, do it. I do not care how it happens. I do not care where it comes from. Get rid of that man and work your way back after that. But there is no better uh, example of addition by subtraction than getting rid of that man and getting him out of purple and gold. I'm not going to disagree with what you what you're saying there. I think you've got to try to get some kind of value. You got to figure out something that's going to help you moving forward. But I also think that you kind of need to clear the air. You you probably need to, and I think Russ wants to also move on. Um, I think it's going to be what's best for both parties, and that's something that Rob Palenka alluded to. They're going to sit down, discuss things, to figure out where they want to go. And I think that if Russ says I want out, the Lakers are going to say, Yeah, well, we're okay with that. Let's let's work together and see if we can find a new home for you. See if we can figure out a way to make this work because it's been Russ was not the only problem for the Lakers this season. There are many, many problems. You can't put all of the blame on him, but the move to get him created a lot of issues, a lot of the problems with the with the roster, the way it was constructed. And he will always be looked at as sort of the symbol of the failure that this season has been. And once again, 
I consider this to be the worst Lakers season ever relative to expectations. So I think moving on from Russell Westbrook, if to do nothing else than clear the air, lift that that cloud is probably necessary. I think that even though they only played in 21 games, I think we can conclusively say LeBron, AD, and Russ do not work. It's not a combination that works together. On paper, it doesn't work. We wondered whether the talent would outweigh the fit. I think the answer has been no, that will not happen. Despite LeBron, AD, and Russ all mentioning that they didn't play enough games together and that being a factor, I don't think it's ever going to work out for the three of them. And so I do think that moving on from him is the right move. The question is, what's it going to cost to do that and finding the correct option there? For me, this summer, the one thing I would like to see the Lakers accomplish, I would like to see some sense of a plan. I want to see what is it that this organization is planning to do. I want to see some sort of a cohesive vision and moves made towards that. I want to have a sense of the Lakers thinking we are going to be this kind of team and then making moves in order to accomplish that. I feel like we haven't seen that in the last couple of seasons in terms of building an identity. Part of that, I think, can come from finding a head coach. But I think this team needs to zero in on who they are and then execute a plan in order to speak that into existence, essentially. That's what I would like to see from the Lakers this summer. But everybody, I want to thank you all for joining us. Of course, thank you to our LakersNation.com staff members, Corey Hansford, Daniel Starkan, Matthew Optimus Peralta, and Sean Davis. Always great to get to talk Lakers basketball with you. And thank you for everybody here joining us on Twitter Spaces. I'll also put this out on the LakersNation.com podcast, which you should definitely go subscribe to over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever it is that you listen to podcasts. Thank you again, everybody. Hope you have a great rest of the day. We will have a live show over on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel tomorrow at 2 o'clock Pacific time to kick off the weekend. So make sure you come join us for that. Till then, everybody, see ya and stay safe.